0: Welcome to the Ascent Podcast, we're your hosts, I'm Chris Hopper,
1: and I'm Dan Harrison.
0: Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box
1: minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and lock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm.
2: You know every now and then in life you come across something that prizes open your mind like as if it's a, it's a, a mental crowbar and that was one of them for me. It just radically changed my perception of, of uh, the human experience. Um, and I'm constantly, constantly seeing how a lot of my actions and reactions are just born out of software that is just running in the background and foreground.
3: I think a lot of people just don't know why they don't feel good you know what I mean like they yeah. they're absent-mindedly putting food into their bodies they're watching screens for 10 to 12 hours a day I mean the the human being in its natural element like running around playing experiencing the purest joy is just rare especially as we get older and I think that if you forget that you're gonna find a lot of ways to be unhappy most of the time. But maybe maybe it is a self-correcting thing, but I think only in the most disciplined people. I just think there are probably millions that don't do anything about it and they would rather take pills or feel like that's the only way to feel better.
1: Hey, what is up everyone? In this episode of the Send Podcast, we're joined by Nick Gregoriades and Thomas Fauskin-Huskin, who are the host of an epic podcast called Digital Communion. In this podcast, we have a very broad-ranging conversation around the subject of cultural operating systems, and I've been thinking about this concept a lot lately. What makes you, you? Is it your personal preferences? Is it the things you own, the things you do, the things you create, your consciousness, your soul? Many people today would say that you are your things you own, like what clothes you wear, which car you drive, what type of coffee you drink, which bands you listen to. But when you really think about it, all those things are just stuff you buy. Companies just encourage us to express ourselves for our purchase decision, decisions so we can get emotionally attached to their products and buy more stuff. And when you take away all your possessions and personal preferences, what's left? It's the things you do in life and your ideas. But even those things are fluid and they change over time. And as we become more mature and have different experiences, these things change. I'm not the same person I was five years ago, and I'm not even the same person I was yesterday. And I don't do the same things or even have the same ideas. So if it isn't your actions or ideas that make you you, could it be your consciousness? Could it be the energy that makes up your brain and produces an experience which, which we perceive as consciousness? Or could it be that none of us are really all that unique? And we just think we are because our own experience is the only one we have access to. When you do start questioning the nature of the human experience, how or why we perceive things the way we do, very quickly what we think of reality actually begins to unravel and we actually realize that most of our reality is constructed in our minds and our brains are always being selective about what they focus on and what they ignore completely, meaning that we discard a huge amount of information and vice versa. But what information are we discarding and what information are we actually allowing in? Our brains are also filling in the blanks in order to make sense of what's happening. But what are those blanks? What are you filling those blanks in with? The great Terence McKenna speaks about cultural operating systems, and he says that there's certain things that you can do to open your eyes to it. And he speaks about being more curious to what your own cultural operating system looks like. So just for a second, think about this actually how many different cultural operating systems are constantly playing over and over again in your psyche radio television computer friends advertisement boards when you walk and drive down the street teachers work colleagues and even me who is speaking now and so forth data has been arriving since ever since we've been born so this episode and every episode from now on is brought to you by you so you can now go to our patreon page and choose one of the cool reward tiers and support the podcast. And if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon supports the podcast directly and you can also get to receive some really cool rewards in the process. Currently we have five tiers of rewards set up for you guys. We have reward tiers called Hidden Citizens, Pursuit of Knowledge, Seeker, Awakened Mind, Enlightened Ones, and The Paradigm Shift. And each tier has lots of different fun rewards. You might get a cool binaural beat, a guided meditation every month. Or why not be a part of our brand new Ascend Conscious Hub, where you get access to other awakened Minds, including me and Chris, and guests from the podcast. And we're also doing live videos, group discussions, bonus content. And every Thursday after each episode, we'll be having a group discussion about this week's podcast. And why not even be a part of something epic? The Ascend Community Podcast, where you get to come on the podcast and have your say on the podcast and be heard by millions. And all this is extremely simple. All you need to do is go to the Ascend Podcast website and click on the Patreon page and click the Patreon link. Patreon gives you, the people, the power to come together and decide is this a conscious idea. So, anyway, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation. Enjoy. Doing really well. I'm doing really well over here.
3: How about yourselves?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm good, guys. How are you doing, Thomas?
3: Oh, doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Living the dream. Another day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Another day to explore this I amazing think... place.
1: Can't beat it. Exactly.
2: So you guys just wanna you wanna have a chat, right?
1: Oh, we wanna, we wanna have a chat, alright. <laughs> 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 you know, we're cool. still, we're like our uh, we're like our little. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck. question, question Balty questions in there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
3: Quick question is um, Is language foul? Obviously I don't want to speak with foul language If it's oh, uh, yeah. inappropriate
2: Just see what you want honestly
3: yeah. Okay thanks well, You know thanks, the guys.
2: streaming live to kindergartens across the world right
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Send those kindergartens
2: <laughs> The future generation
0: let's get them enlightened
3: I love it
1: Yeah so anyway, something that I wanted to bring up with you guys, right? And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially with some of the stuff that I've been watching. Like I've been watching a lot of Terence McKenna's conversations about cultural operating systems. And I've been watching, have you guys, seen the new, um, oh, what's it called again, that program? Westworld. Yeah, Westworld. Have you seen Westworld?
2: Yeah, I watched, uh, the, I whole, I watched the whole thing. Thomas, I, I think I've, I'm sending you a message recently that you've got to see
3: it, dude. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah, next big on Westworld and, and the Musashi book, but I have <laughs> not checked out
1: either one. Yeah, but I've been um, I've been obviously fascinated by that lately. I've been watching it and um I've been thinking about like the concept like via that as well. It's been getting my mind thinking. It's like what makes us like who we are? Like and I was actually thinking, is it like our personal preferences? Is it the things we own, the things we do, the things we create, is it our consciousness, our soul? But then as well, like that from that, um watching Westworld, it led us on to watch looking into um terence mckenna's talks where he was talking about cultural operating systems and he talks about how there's like certain things that can open our own eyes up to our cultural operating systems and obviously that's got really got me mind thinking over the last few weeks to actually like try and analyze what my own cultural operating system looks like like have you guys give that concept much thought like of what your own cultural operating system like looks like
3: Wow, great question. Thomas. I'll let I'll let Nick take this first because oh, he's
2: I was more versatile. <laughs> Man, I watched that same YouTube video, um, Culture is your operating system. I watched it about six or seven years ago. And that actually, you know, every now and then in life you come across something that just prizes open your mind, like as if it's a it's a a mental crowbar. And that was one of them for me. It just radically changed my perception of, of, uh, the human experience. Um, and I'm constantly, constantly seeing how a lot of my actions and reactions are just born out of software that is just running in the background and foreground. Uh, and I used to try to, <laughs> I was on a kick shortly after I watched that video to try and, um, reach like tabula rasa or just like, uh, Remove as much of that cultural operating system as possible, but I'm kind of I've mellowed a lot now. I'm at I'm at the point where I realize that um, you know there's some pretty cool things about culture. Uh, it stops us from from eating and killing each other in many cases, and uh, also it just kind of in many instances it just makes it makes life flow a lot more smoothly. Um, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence now about like I don't look at culture as some demonic thing, but I'm also I'm also uh, very aware that it does change the way I interact and move through the world.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think it, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it's definitely more about acceptance instead of resistance because I think when you start resistance, like what's around you, you start like becoming a, a bit like a former, a weaker shell of yourself. But I think when you accept it and you understand that this is actually here and it's actually happening all around us, that actually makes you more aware of the whole situation. You think, yeah, this is not too bad. Because when you can actually see the enemy in front of you with your own eyes, it's not as scary as you once
2: th- first thought, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Thomas, what do you think,
3: Bob? I, I, I think this is super heavy and 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 it's it's tricky for me because if I understand what you're talking about and maybe you could just... Uh, make it just a little bit clear for ignoramuses like me that don't fully understand the cultural operating system does that just mean that you are a product of your environment and your upbringing rather than being able to uh, sort of move out on your own and carve your own path and or that you're incapable of doing that because of all these things that have been ingrained in you for so long
1: yeah well basically the, 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 obviously the conversation of Terence McKenna that, that I was referring to before and obviously Nick was referring to as well he obviously, Terence McKenna talks about how in society we have all these different like cultural operating systems that are constantly playing like over and over again in our psyche. So like radio, television, computer, friends, family, like even advertisement boards and sort of like um, your work friends, even this podcast as well, like everything. And it seems to me that obviously this data has been arriving ever since we have since we were born. And that's obviously that's what it's referring to, the cultural operating system.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember he, he was using the analogy of um, saying that the human brain the brain, was analogous to a, a computer and that um, culture was analogous to the software that is uploaded loaded onto a computer, the operating system. Um, and he, he gave an example, uh, which I thought was fascinating, about how if you're only running a, se- a certain um, set of software, like let's say you're running... Uh, consumer to, consumer uh early 2000s consumer capitalist uh, western mail version 4.0 yeah. uh, unless you have certain plugins or certain um a certain type of software you just cannot support certain um beliefs and you you cannot see certain things clearly so i mean i'm butchering this here but he, one of the examples he gave is like Maybe there are UFOs out there that are flying around, but but we just can't see them because our our operating system just is not compatible with that piece of um, perception. Uh, oh, wow. I, yeah, I find that really, really interesting.
3: So let me ask you guys this, it, uh, just based on the way you understand it, if the only reason I want to get jacked and tan like Arnold Schwarzenegger is because of all the conditioning that has happened up until this point and that I see that... Looking that way is associated with a certain type of success or physical prowess or volatility or all that envy and and my desire to become uh, a powerful man in that physical sense is only informed by what i 've seen through media and popular culture, correct
1: yeah it seems, it seems to me that like I would like this I would like to see like it wasn't, but for me on my journey <laughs> yeah definitely but <laughs> for, for me on my journey it seems to be that everything that I've done all through my life has seemed to be like when I analyze it now because i 'm i 'm on the other side where I actually sort of really realize now how much all these operating systems are actually affecting everything we do every decision like what we do for work like how we even tr- train our bodies and exercise i think you,
0: sorry guys um, i think it, you know hit the ne- exact nail on the head as well dan like when you start talking about that and what it what i feel it is is like you actually see something and you get like this deep emotional connection to it you actually value that and it starts to become a beliefs part a belief system part of yourself and i think that's really like interesting because we're all watching like the same culture, you know, like in the Western Hemisphere. Really, it's we're yeah, all yeah, watching yeah. the same stuff on TV, everything. But it, what triggers me, what makes what makes me think is when we're actually watching the same thing, we've all got these different programs running. So mm-hmm. why aren't we actually seeing? Why aren't we all chasing the same dream?
2: Why are we all so different? Well, I, yeah, I think that uh, partly um, you've heard that expression. Uh, I think it's by the philosopher Rumi what you seek is seeking you. And I think it's it's similar to that. Uh, it's the same kind of thing as like your vibe attracts your tribe. It's it's kind of like, it's not just your, your vibration doesn't just attract the people that um, you want to surround yourself with. It also attracts the sort of uh, systems and experiences that you're energetically aligned with. So, I mean, Thomas has this desire to be this like peak physical human Specimen. And that's coming. Look, surely, sure, that's informed by the media and it's informed by like the culture in which he was raised. But why isn't his next door neighbor doing the same thing? It's because something inside Thomas is calling or wanting to be expressed like that
1: maybe though maybe here's something as well because i'm a bit like thomas as well i, I really do feel like that something inside of me that's driving us to like train more than just a cultural operating system but maybe thomas's next door neighbor is just has it is running a different cultural operating system so he doesn't want to train he just wants to eat donuts <laughs>
3: <laughs> so quick quick question for you guys how does this square with uh rupert sheldrake's morphic resonance because i know that he was a contemporary of McKenna, I thought they were friends. Like he and Graham Hancock and, and shell Drake were all like, I thought those guys would all get together and, and rap about this stuff. Do you, do you happen to know, are you guys familiar with the morphic resonance theory?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, we discussed this on our last podcast with, um, uh, with Carl Safina. We did a podcast about animal consciousness and I actually, oh, is, awesome. it's quite, yeah, it's quite funny because I proposed that question to him and he, did, he asked about the morphic resonance because a, the rats a really interesting theory, morphic resonance, and uh, obviously, I proposed that in regards to animals about collective consciousness, but he actually disagreed with us as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, but we do oh, give okay. some good value yeah. points on the whole thing. So
1: yeah, it was good. In, it was a, it was interesting having his insight on that side as well because obviously I'm on more the side of that there is a sort of collective consciousness, even though I can't fully explain it. But he was on the other side of the fence, so it, no, it's in, it it isn't very interesting. Morphic resonance is really interesting. Yeah,
3: fascinating stuff.
2: It seems to me, I guess the the question I would ask you, Tom, is it seems to me that um, these guys are are very uh, are just asking the the age old is it nature versus nurture, but in a different way. Uh, what, <laughs> right. I mean,
3: yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, y- you and I have talked about this a lot, and uh, so much of it, I I guess I just get really caught up in in my you know tiny little world, like we probably all do, but. It's uh, it it, quif- it it quickly becomes something that I ignore, in pursuit of, you know, different levels of goals, and then I think I, uh, I sort of lose touch with, who I really am, and um, it's easy to do, especially in a place that's you know kind of well, this is Hollywood, right? So it's it's super easy for me to forget what my values are when I'm pursuing something that isn't necessarily in my best interest, but that. The world around me tells me is, you know, what I'm suited for or what I ought to be spending my time on. How do you guys? How do you guys stay aligned with who you really are?
2: Well, I mean, I, I have a question for you, Thomas, uh, which I'm really interested in the answer, and that is, um, how do you, how do you know what your values really are, and and, and what what is an innate desire or drive and what's something that's been shaped or informed by like the zeitgeist in which you operate
3: <laughs> man i i think if i knew that i would teach a class on it and and make a bunch of money on you know <laughs> how, to how to steer people right i i honestly don't know i know that there are, you know there are things that really make me feel good and feel like super old like a relic of a past life, or that morphic resonance coming to life, like I've talked about, you know, eating a piece of red meat and drinking red wine, it just make gives me like flashes of, you know, sitting around a fire thousands of years ago. It feels exactly the same, um, but I don't know, man. Like making a lot of money, you know, um, achieving a certain level of respect, giving a ton of value, uh, I don't know. These things seem like decent things that are my values, but I, it, certainly they've been shaped. And and I don't really know, Nick, if I, if I know how to distinguish between the two. And that's kind of a little bit um, disconcerting.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, a guy on um, my previous show, The Journey, we have a good friend of mine, Vaz, who runs the London College of Spirituality. He came on and we, we had a very interesting conversation. And he said something I never forgot. And he said... Um, because what I think this is—it ultimately comes down to uh, to speaking about what's your own innate desire versus what's culturally conditioned—is is almost like saying um, heart versus head, right? It's it's the same dichotomy, or it can it you could think of it that way. And he said that uh, the head speaks very loudly; it's always chattering, but the heart—the voice of the heart is, is very very soft, and you have to quiet yourself to be able to hear it. Um, And I wonder if that's maybe the answer, you know, like when you feel that or when you hear that voice in your mind, like I've got to make more money to do this, that and that, or like my buddy down the street just got a BMW M4 and I want one and I got to, you know, start working harder or that's, that's probably the voice in your head. But when you're like, I don't know, sitting, doing some meditation or you're sitting on the beach watching the waves and like you get this kind of like softer, more intuitive voice that says to you, like. I don't know you're, you're working too hard or you've got to pay more attention to your relationship with your parents. or like I think that is a, like learning to differentiate between those two voices is a skill that can be learned. and it, it comes from, I don't know, things that you do anyway, Thomas, like meditation and uh, spending time in nature and just uh, turning off the TV and just connecting.
1: Here's, here's something as well for you. So I've actually I've actually tried to like sort of tap into that voice and like try and question where that voice is coming from, right? And I'd done a bit of research and actually f- discovered that the human body is actually we we actually perceive we only got one brain, but the human body I'd found a bit of research. I can't remember where it was from, but it was talking about how we've actually got three brains in the whole of the body. So we've got one in the head, one in the gut, and then one in the uh, I think it was the feet so oh, maybe, wow. yeah so maybe so maybe when you're trying to decipher that voice maybe that voice is getting pulled from all over your body
3: yeah weird what happens if you got your feet chopped off in an accident yeah. does that mean you effectively lost a brain
1: you just uh have two brains now
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right i think i'd rather lose brains than heard, my feet than i've the heard the me stomach hair. one and i've heard the or I kind of like, I like to think I've heard the stomach one talking to me, and I've heard the head one, but the feet have yeah. been pretty quiet in my life. But maybe I should start. <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> uh, it, you
3: seem to be more flexible, Nick. Listen it, to it, your it, feet.
1: Yeah, it's interesting when you think about though, like because of the brain and the gut, like how much how much choices is like if if there is a brain in the in our gut, which some of the research that I've read says there is, it's interesting because how much does that brain and the gut actually decide decisions on like what we eat, where we go, things like that.
2: Massively, I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Thomas. You might have even been the one who told me this, but uh, it's my understanding that your your gut bacteria influences you in a profoundly in in a profound way. So, for example, people have a, an overgrowth of a specific type of um, bacteria, crave sugar so much that they'll do almost anything to get it. Uh, which I found, I mean, I can really believe that for sure.
3: Oh, absolutely. yeah, I, I think that that goes without saying. I, I think probably gut health and um, you know the the sort of extensive effects of of or consequences of not having a healthy gut will be more fully understood and really mapped out in the next five to ten years. And I think that will sort of move to the forefront of, especially I think medicinal will change as people go, Okay, the first medicine is thought, and then definitely the second medicine is food. And beyond mm-hmm. that, if you need, you know, the the synthetic pharmaceuticals and everything else, that's that's where you go. But like people, people will really start to understand how just important it is to make sure all that stuff in your gastrointestinal um, system is is performing optimally.
1: Here's here's a question for you. It sparks in my mind there. I was actually thinking. So you know, when you were talking about the food in the gut and how much it affects the body, do you actually think? Do you do you guys actually think that um, eating different foods may be actually a way to actually download a new operating system?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, can you? Without hesitation. There? Yeah. Um. I will say that if if any of you guys really want to see what you're made of and see how you can. And change your mind with just a simple process. Uh, give a fast a try, and I'm not a doctor, so I guess you know I, I shouldn't recommend that people do that. I'm just suggesting that you look into it. But uh, the things that you will hear yourself uh, start to go, the path that you'll start to go down when you stop eating food, and the body sort of just rebalances itself. Um, I don't think it's fully understood, but people have been doing it for thousands of years for religious and spiritual and health reasons and and there's very good evidence that it does precisely the things that you're talking about i just know that for me personally uh, i've had some super deep insights some really powerful meditations saw my body change felt incredible incredible pure energy after having no calories for you know five days um and not to mention all the therapeutic effects that are coming out now because we know that, you know, cancer cells uh, feed on glucose. And if you starve them via um, fasting, you can actually shrink or eradicate, you know, cancer cells over time. And now people are using it as, as a therapy. So, yes, I, that's what I think. I mean, have you guys had any similar experiences?
0: Well, I like to say like um, when we're going back to good health, here, it's so important, really, because um, when you start taking in like live foods, like live yogurt, and actually, actually, live bacteria gets into the gut, you start actually, your body is digesting that food properly. I mean, like to burn um, to get energy, you, when your body goes through that whole digestion process, it burns so much more energy off than just burning food than any other part of the day. And I think that's so important when we actually talk about your, your gut like this, because it gives a whole emphasis on how valuable it really is, especially if it's burning more energy than any other department of the body. And sure. this, this is why this is why our food right now is so important, and why live food, live bacteria. What is this? What's this bacteria giving us? Like, is this giving us like an extra like? an extra entity a part of us and that's that's really interesting to be honest
1: maybe here's something as well just to throw this in as well because i like i like throwing little crazy little <laughs> things in here but here's what here's <laughs> one thing right because obviously there's more and more research now coming together that there's bacteria all over the world that actually have some form of intelligence so when we are in um when we are consuming certain types of foods with different types of bacteria are they actually if they're intelligent are they actually giving us like information in our
3: body maybe Wow. Oh, Did man. you guys, are, are you guys fans of uh, Irvine Welsh?
1: No, I've never, I've never heard of him, no.
3: I oh, never tra- heard of a little, little movie called Train Spotting? Get the fuck out of here. Oh,
1: Train Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It's just the name oh, I okay, didn't so, realize. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so, Irvine Welsh, he wrote that and he wrote a great book called uh, Filth. And one of the narrators in this book is a tapeworm inside of his body. And I don't know if you guys have ever had any. Um, have you ever had any parasites or amoebas or anything along these lines? I, I think what you just said is something really, really interesting. And at least in that particular book, the protagonist is uh, led along by this horrible parasite in his gut, which, you know, I won't tell you the, the, the end, but really powerful. And, and I totally, I mean, I had amoebic dysentery in Vietnam, and my thoughts weren't in anything uh, weren't anything aligned with what, what was positive at the time I can tell you that It's interesting. I mean
2: you guys know that uh, there's a specific type of I um, can' I can't, I can't I remember if it's a virus or a bacteria but um, it's uh, it's called toxoplas toxoplasmosis and uh, it is very prevalent. I think human beings get it like from contact with like, Cat feces, indirectly. um, (laughs) It's it's really prevalent, especially in Brazil. Uh, For some reason, I know there's like it was an outbreak of it a while back, and they've shown that um, individuals who are infected with Toxoplasmosis are more aggressive and more prone to risk-taking behavior, um, which is showing how that specific organism is affecting, once it's introduced into the human organism, it causes actions to change. So, I mean, I I am fully convinced that if Joe Smith is eating a diet (laughs) of um, really high quality uh, cultured yogurt and greens and uh, quality meats and everything that's beneficial for him, his gut biome is going to be very different to someone who lives off cheetos and pepsi um, right totally agree i'm sure those two uh, vastly different gut biomes will have an influence unconsciously on his actions
0: yeah um what i have found in my journey is like i've actually went back now and again uh, um and i've eaten some food which probably wasn't um right from us when i was a young child but when i'm older you start getting an appreciation for all types of food, really, because you see you see the value in that type of food, and that's amazing. Like, was, I think when you look at something and you really take in the experience of eating the food, tasting the food, understanding that that food's good for you, that triggers like an emotional change in your whole mind. Like, your whole mind connects to this new, this new love for food, this new love for life, and and I think it works in the opposite way as well. As soon as you start eating bad food, when you're consciously aware it's bad food. You you feel you feel the negative effects before the food's even been digested, and that's what's so interesting love, about yeah. food. Oops, sorry. Go on. I well,
3: was, was going to say I
2: love. Oh, go just, ahead. Well, according to Thomas's um, Thomas, you said something really interesting uh, earlier, which is the first medicine is is thought. I love that. Um, and something I've been discussing with um, my girlfriend recently is, would you say that uh, a good quality meal like a healthy meal eaten with the fear that it's uh, going to make you sick would have the same effect as a bad quality meal with the hope that it would make you, that it would nourish you. So, like, which is more powerful? Is it the actual chemical component of the food or the mindset that you have as you consume it? Or are they both equally important?
3: Well, I I think that the... um I think the research would indicate that if you go into something with that fear or some sort of negative mindset against it, that it's not going to turn out as favorably as if you just had the placebo effect, right? Like, I mean, that's that's sort of what I understand as the power of the placebo effect is: if you think it's going to be <laughs> really good for you, um, it, it probably uh, will, and, and to, at least to some degree right? Um, that's a great question, there, though, and there, I, I don't think there's there been a ton like of research on
2: that. Maybe there has. Therein lies the is that, like, a guy like yourself, Thomas, there's no way on this earth that you're going to convince yourself that drinking a can of Coke is going to be good for you because you know too much. So it's one of those many instances where, like, knowledge actually turns against you,
3: whereas, that's, like... The- that's true, but... I get from drinking that can of Coke after such a long, <laughs> such a long hiatus, is going to be such a sugary drug-like high that I'll be like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I don't drink more of these. These are fantastic."
1: Yeah, you do. I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Nick, though, were you postment really, really interesting there because what you were saying there about, I was in my mind there, I was actually thinking like, so you were saying is maybe the person who doesn't realize that our food's bad for them, and compared to the person who like sees someone like ourselves who are like who are more conscious of what foods are good for our body is that how how does that dilemma play out in the in in the mind on the body because it seems to be if someone's eating if someone who's who doesn't um someone who like like also eat healthy and we're sort of thinking in our minds that oh we know that this cake's going to hurt our body but the other person doesn't how does that dilemma like play out in the body in the mind like with the placebo effect that's very fascinating
2: well i mean i I can tell you something even more fascinating it's not um (laughs) Link directly to this, but it is it is very closely related. Something Thomas said to me, which I found fascinating. Thomas, you know, I always knew you were a special a special boy, Thomas. But this really proved it to me. <laughs> <laughs> he just said to me once, like uh, we were we were walking around LA, and he just said, uh, "I don't I don't have health insurance." And I said, "Okay, like why is that?" And he said, "I just think it's a scam. I, I think you just uh, you don't need it. Like our grandparents didn't have health insurance, um, and." <laughs> the re i mean i found that so powerful because thomas like is the healthiest dude in town literally he is the healthiest dude i have ever met and a lot of a big part of me always thinks about it thomas I, I think to myself i wonder if you are so healthy because you've just decided to be that healthy like you've and you're vibrating at a level that just attracts health and repels disease
3: wow I, I think you give me too much credit um, because I'm sure there are people listening right now that are like, "Oh yeah, no health insurance. We'll see how that goes." You know, when something <laughs> bad happens, which is is the natural response. But I think that that sort of that goes ties us back to the very beginning. That is a fear based cultural operating system that says we need to have health insurance, life insurance, and perhaps some people do, but I don't know how many. Tens of—I mean—I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but in the United States, healthcare is really—and so uh, you're looking at tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of a lifetime, even if you're a super healthy person, just by maintaining that insurance. Um, but but also, Nick, it would be fair to point out that uh, you know if I'm healthy at all, it's because of all the this the stuff I've learned in, in the, uh, in the journey, you know, all the things that I've sought out and all the, the teaching I've, I've, I've kind of quested for in a way to understand how to be healthy. So I, I would have to just, you know, defer that to all the great minds in in sports nutrition and and the sciences and strength conditioning community and all that shit. But ultimately, you know, you just have to do it. What works for you where can people find
2: out more about all this information that you collect? <laughs>
3: <laughs> shameless plug time and and if they go to 30 minute they can see the, the, the program put together for all this stuff um now but so what do you guys uh i mentioned it earlier and i, I don't think any, anyone got a chance to respond but like how do you how do you guys personally beyond meditation figure out what your values are compared to what you think they ought to be.
0: Mm, that's very interesting, isn't it? Because um, so many different, so many different factors actually appear in in my life and Dan's as well, and everyone's really. But so many different factors appear in my life, whereas I could um, go down the street and I could actually be feeling really like lethargic with myself because I might have even went to bed like half an hour later just little just little changes like that can alter an entire day in my eyes so I think as soon as you actually get into the uh, get into the present moment you can really understand everything so when I'm actually present I actually have a full set of like beliefs my mindset's completely in a whole relaxed state and
1: the whole world has just changed as soon as you embrace that present moment and that's that's what's fascinating to me. See, I was going to say it's, yeah. inre- it's interesting to me because I think this ties into the cultural operating system as well. Because it seems to me that like sort of what you were saying there, what Chris was saying there, to try and analyze that. That's I think that's the whole that's the whole journey of the human experience to try and like sort of open up the hamster wheel sort of thing and analyze your th- thoughts and like try and change the viewfinder on everything that we are trying everything that we do in life and sort of. When you see these, like sort of like these operating systems that come in your mind, where you sort of judge someone, you've got to try and override them, like sort of um, override them in your mind with like sort of new software that like you're like, like you're pulling from everywhere else. That's the way I sort of see it, anyway. Do you think that comes in? Sure, Oops,
2: there's there's something uh, that I mean I find um, pretty powerful. Uh, I think it's a it came from, yeah, Thomas. We might have spoken about this before. Um, there's that book by Neil Strauss called The Truth. Um, oh, right. He was in, in sex addiction therapy and, and in one of his therapy sessions, um, he asked a similar question uh, analogous to the how do you know if it's the head or the heart or, the, or value your, your own values or society's values in that um, he asked how do how will I know if my, my actions are coming from a good place And the therapist said something like um, if you act from a wound, it'll always bring drama. Right, and I, I thought about wow. that, and it, it's very yeah, it was a very powerful um, insight for me at least. And I think that that's the that's the way you figure out like if it's if something's coming from your values or some other values is you just realize that life is this feedback loop, right? It's it's a it's a constant feedback loop. If you are stressed and angry and doing something out of fear or spite or um, judgment or revenge that will create a ripple of energy out into the world that will bring you back that same kind of energy and the feedback loop. If you're present enough and observant enough, you will get, you'll get that feedback almost instantly. Um, and likewise, if you do something from a good place or with using a, a positive or healthy energy that will ripple out into the universe and bring you back something of the set, sa- the same quality. And, the, one of the ways I've found to do more of the latter and less of the former is to just slow down, literally to just slow everything down because I find when I'm in a rush, when I'm, when I'm reacting, it's usually more the first kind of energy than the second. So I, I the always, when, when that little voice pop or when, when a voice pops into my head, like, Oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that or more money. I, I don't listen to it the first time. I, cause I know that that, you know what I mean? I, I like, yeah. I'll be like, okay, cool. Like, you're probably like not, you're probably not the good, quiet like voice from the good place. So I'll just, you know, disregard you for a while. I'm not gonna react. I'm gonna wait and like slow everything down and see if it's the right thing to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. yeah it completely makes
1: sense. And it's it just something in my head that resonated with my mind is because I have sort of been getting them like feedback loops in my mind all the time. And um, f- one we have been dealing with it lately is. Well, I'm not really dealing with it, but just sort of like just trying to <laughs> trying to sort of get my head around it. Um, I'll go outside. I like I'll lately on a night time, I've been going outside for a walk, like say eight o'clock at night, just before I'm going to go to bed, and I'll just literally mm. just walk around the streets And there's sometimes where I can walk around the streets and I'll not even see anyone for like two or three mile, and that allows me to like shut off all the sensory input, shut off all the distractions from loved ones, friends, family, computers. And it's, it's just a way, and that's obviously the that's way that I've sort of like lately deciphered the feedback loops in my mind where I'm just walking around the streets. It sounds crazy, but I just walk around the streets by myself and it allows us to analyse my thoughts.
3: I um. think that's so powerful. I can't imagine... Walking two or three miles without seeing another soul where I live, so I just—I'm sure that has a really dramatic effect on the way you perceive the world. That's great, and it's
1: quite interesting you bringing that up as well because I've actually thought about that dilemma in my head as well. What you just said there, because in some parts of the world you could—you couldn't even walk out your door without bumping into someone. But where we are yeah, in the yeah. world, you can sort of walk two or three mile in you at night time, and you'll not see one person. And that's—that's a—that's a really interesting like. That's also a, like a, a cultural, like a cultural sort of dilemma. It's weird.
3: Well, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued, and Nick, this will turn into a question for you, but um, I know you guys are well aware with uh, of the uh, the stated effects of psychedelic use to sort of strip the person away from their sense of self and and their ego, and um, I, I think I'm kind of. I think I'm definitely in dire need of that after four years in Los Angeles because I just feel like I get, like I was mentioning earlier, just really wrapped up in in what maybe isn't the best for me. And if And if I didn't have any ego involved, would I just <laughs> – would I be out on a, a ship somewhere, you know, fishing for sardines? I don't know, but I wanted to ask Nick specifically, like, how – how long is that period that you get, that grace period after your most recent psychedelic use where you feel like um, you aren't so attached to the self and you can make very, uh, very pure decisions based on that clarity that comes, you know, after the usage?
2: Man, that's a great question. Um, I think the answer is like uh, it depends on how well you cherish and, and kind of like foster what you get out of the, get out of that. You know? So for example, um, you know, you, if you calm your mind with meditation and you spend like a couple of hours meditating and relaxing and getting to the Zen state, and then you go out and like work in the garden or you go do some yoga or you go for a walk or whatever. I mean, that state is going to go with you. Right. But if you meditate and then like whack on Metallica live in concert, (laughs) <laughs> uh, and put it at like 200 decibels. Like, it's it's obviously going to dissipate some of that, you know. So it's it's something that's, like, those states that you that you acquire through the through working with with plant medicines or psychedelics, you have to foster them and nurture them and cherish them. They're like, and a lot of the the work happens after your trip, not just during the trip. And that's why they tell you, like, the if you work with a good shaman, he'll say to you, like. You know, after this, you need to spend some time on, on your own integrating what you've learned and what you've seen. And so to answer your question, Thomas, I think that's it's very dependent on, on uh, what you do immediately following the,
3: the trip. I see. That's interesting. Now, does it depend on the strength of the let's say you do like a week in Peru and mm-hmm. you do, you know, seven different ceremonies is that it just seems like you would get a much longer effect From that, than you know, one
2: night, yeah, no, I think so, dude. It's uh, I I mean, yeah, if you did one, if you just had one hit of DMT, and I'd expect like whatever kind of change in consciousness you, you got from that to dissipate quite quickly, especially if you weren't like taking care to nurture it. But yeah, if you're on a like a 30 day ayahuasca retreat somewhere in the jungle, I'm also pretty sure that you could come back and spend like a, a week in the Bronx, bro, and you'd probably still keep some of it, you know?
3: Wow, what um, a powerful what a powerful cultural operating system reset button that is, huh?
2: Yeah. Big yeah. time. Definitely. Oh, so
3: you, you go ahead. You, well,
2: I mean I'm starting to realize that uh it's yeah, you're hitting the reset button as Thomas says, but you <laughs> you know, you I, I was taught when I was a kid like you don't want to press the computer button on and off too many times because you can blow the power supply. And I think uh, <laughs> there might be some truth to that as well. Like, you've got to be respectful with those things, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Wow. I was going to say as well, so you were talking about psychedelics there. So, Dennis McKenna, sorry, Terence McKenna talks about how psychedelics can actually completely like wipe the operating system like clean, right? But I was actually yeah. thinking, can, I was actually thinking, can we actually really get to a point and like a point in time in this reality where we can actually like fully wipe that operating system clean? Because it seems to me that in this reality that we're living in now, well, everyone's like, um, seems to me that we have there's billions of people all over the world and they're all operating on these different operating systems all over the planet, right? But I was actually thinking maybe the nature of the game doesn't actually allow us to be fully wiped clean of them operating
2: systems. Yeah. Man, have you ever tried to use a computer without an operating system? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work, bro. It doesn't. It literally doesn't do anything. It's it's useless. And I think maybe because I, I was the same dude. I, I was at that point where I'm like I am removing everything off my hard drive, like everything. And I was I was examining every single action I took. Like the example I always use is like I was if I picked up my toothbrush toothbrush with my right hand in the morning I'd be like why am I picking this up with my right hand where, where did I learn to do that is this the best way to do it like every <laughs> single action and thought that was going through my mind I was analyzing it. And it I mean I think that's an interesting experience and an interesting experiment but you need some culture I mean some some of culture is amazing dude some of it is absolutely amazing and the way I, I noticed that is because I'm um, in these constant juxtapositions of different cultures and I see that Some of them get some stuff really right and some of them get some stuff really wrong and that there is no perfect culture. So maybe a a better way as a human being to approach it is instead of trying to wipe your hard drive is just to like defrag it and and install the the best possible operating system you can and take the bits and pieces from all the different operating systems and make your own awesome custom one. That helps you extract more out of the human experience. Yeah, oh, nice,
1: I, Nick. I completely agree. I like that because it seems to be the best the best way to do it is just to like to shut down the old operating systems and obviously then upgrade the new ones. And I think obviously when when you do start um, updating the new operating systems for me anyway and get rid of all all the rest of the junk, it sort of opens your mind up to ask real questions about what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. For
2: sure. For
1: sure
0: but sorry guys to interrupt as well i think i think what we're seeing now when we're talking about like what the operating system right now in culture is beautiful and it is amazing and it can really make you appreciate this life in so many different ways but i think right now is like culture it really is so far advanced that it adopts to everyone's desire and that it ignites everyone's passion like if you're willing to seek it it will be there. You will find your passion, you will find your operating system because everything's already set up. It's so far advanced now. It might be the human psyche or it might be the the complete working of the operating system, but everything seems to be perfect. If you really look for it, it is all there, ready, and it's perfect.
2: When you say Um, perfect, how do you
0: mean? I mean perfect in the sense is like, um, nothing has to really be changed. Um, in the sense of like the universe around us
1: because it's all beautiful yeah it's it's all the little monkeys that's running around
3: (laughs) (laughs) well let me ask you guys this that that sounds that sounds really super positive so does that mean you are uh you have a positive outlook on on the way things are going do you uh, do you feel like uh are you hopeful for the species at this point
0: yeah, I'm very hopeful about the species. I'm a very optimistic person. I do find a lot of, I, I try to embrace a lot of the optimism in life and a lot of things I read is, is very optimistic and a lot of inspiring as well. So I kind of have this this imagination where I see the future just going perfect, perfect, perfect. But I know nothing in this world really is perfect, but it is beautiful. And, and I think when we just really accept this right now and... It is. It is. It's absolutely amazing what we really have. It's like the four minds of us right now getting together on a computer and a laptop right in front of us. And I can't see you guys. You can't see me. But we're sharing this amazing connection from right now. And it's absolutely fascinating what we have. We really take for granted. But until we really see it and see for what it really is, the beauty comes. And that when that beauty comes, it is amazing.
3: Ah, well said, man. That was great. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: For sure. I mean, life life in 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 2016 is if if you're not happy now, I doubt you could have been happy at any other time in the past because
3: uh, bullshit it, 70s <laughs> 77 great.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah, of course. Did you would have fit right in there, Thomas, bro? <laughs> right. Handlebar mustache, bell bottom jeans. I reckon you would have been like in your element, dude.
3: You know it, dude. But yeah. I, I agree with I agree with the sentiment. I mean, um, you know, there there are great books written about this. Uh, didn't Peter Diamandis write Abundance uh, and and Bold about the same things? Just like it's never been better than it is right now. And probably if you're finding ways to have a shit ton of pain points or a lot of dissatisfaction in your life, it's because of the cultural operating systems. Yeah. Messing with whatever your true values are, and the, the natural beauty, and, and, and uh, just amazing construct that is the, the natural world.
1: Here's something for you, right? Because it's just when you, when Thomas, when you were saying about talking about pain there in, in society as well, and um, this is something that sparked my mind there, right? I was actually thinking, is the cultural operating systems right also causing us in some ways, right? Um, so when when people actually realise the cultural operating systems like negative in certain aspects, is is the actual cultural operating system actually causing, like, people like ourselves and other people who listen to this podcast, like the seekers, is that challenge of the bad operating systems actually causing us, to, like, to to make change in the actual the challenge of the operating system, like, forces this change in in um, society?
2: I'm gonna try to get my head around that. So, what you're saying is, when you feel negative because of a, a cultural preconditioning that you may be carrying around that in itself forces you to make the situation better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, that's right. That, that's
2: much better than that, it's, but it. <laughs> wow, that's that's I've, I've never thought about that. I mean, I guess striving, yeah, you only really strive when the situation isn't the way you want it to be. So, um, I mean, I guess I would say the answer would be yes. What do you think, Thomas?
3: I think that probably, yeah, on the whole, like we just don't experience as many flow states as we could based on the the parameters of, of modern life and without that we don't have as many feelings as uh, of well-being throughout the day unless you're actively pursuing that i think a lot of people just don't know why they don't feel good you know what i mean like they yeah. they're absentmindedly putting food into their bodies they're watching screens for 10 to 12 hours a day they're not moving around that much they don't make enough they don't have the life that they see on social media, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many layers of unhappiness there. Yeah. I mean, the the human being in its natural element, like running around, playing, experiencing the purest joy is just rare, especially as we get older. And I think that if you forget that, you're going to find a lot of ways to be unhappy most of the time. But maybe maybe it is a self-correcting thing. But I think only in the most disciplined people, I just think there are probably millions that do anything about it and they would rather take pills or feel like that's the only way to feel better.
1: I think it also,
2: I'm sorry, Uh, go ahead, go ahead, uh, go uh, ahead (laughs) Nick.
3: It's it's been on my mind a
2: lot lately Thomas because I'm, I'm the kind of person when I'm, when I'm not happy or uncomfortable or something is less than ideal, I, man, I cannot tolerate it. Like I have to, I mean, I've had like two jobs in my life, like two jobs in an office, and each time like i probably should have stuck them out for way longer than i did but after a month or two i was just like man i'm not happy i can't take this i've got to make a change you know right. and i often wonder um i mean because we're all in our own heads i know i i would assume that you're very close to that as well thomas but i don't know if if everyone is wired like that i don't i don't i don't know it might be just it, again that might be faulty software in my mind that might be a faulty piece of Operating system that says I I have the right to be happy, or I have the right to live an amazing life, or or, or seek the, an ideal life, and that might be bullshit. I mean, maybe maybe like life is pain and suffering, and I should just accept that. And next time I'm, a, I'm confronted with a truly crappy situation, I should just force my way through it instead of like just disengaging from it. And like, I mean, what do you think, Thomas?
3: Wow, that's a great question, Nick. Uh, i I, th- I think that if honestly, I think you're on the right track because you know enough people that think life is great and that it's not suffering, and that you can carve your own path and be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Um, do I think most people are wired like that? Probably not. I think we all probably start out that way. And if we had been, nurtured and encouraged along the way, if there had been enough love and support, probably everyone could could dream like that. But you have, you know, people in war torn areas, people any education, uh, without enough to eat, and it's really hard to think about being happy or, you know, changing your situation.
1: I I was gonna say as well, I think ultimately as well though, people obviously've always gotta realize as well, no matter what obviously these different dimensions, like the coaching operating systems are playing our mind i think people's always got to realize that we always have a choice you still always have a choice to change the food you eat you still always have a choice to like to to, ha- to like circumstances yeah to associate with different mm-hmm. people you always always have a choice to like say if someone says something negative towards you like you don't have to let that let that affect you it's only a word it's only language you, you know what you know what i mean it's always it always comes yeah. back to choice
3: no, i've been yeah. I've been preaching that for a while and Nick and I have talked about that a lot and we've we've sort of gone back and forth over it because it's you know he he wasn't sure if he agreed that there is always a choice he feels like well I should let you tell it Nick I mean at one point you and I talked about the very thing right and you weren't convinced you weren't convinced that day yeah
2: I mean I don't know what the example I gave was but it was probably something along the lines of I mean the two year old kid who's got um Koshioko or some other disease due to lack of nutrition. Um, I mean he doesn't exactly have the choice to be like, hey man, you know let's just be positive. I'm gonna I'm gonna push through this. You know what I mean? It's like there is a point where positive thinking and that like kind of new age stuff breaks down. I don't think guys like us have ever been in a situation where we really don't have any choice. But again, we are an extremely fortunate subset of the, the world's population. Um, yeah, I totally kind of, agree. Yeah, that's just my current perspective.
0: I think, guys, when when, we are, when we're like this all together and we start like creating this new collective consciousness, really, we're actually going to become so much more powerful when we are together than as any of us would be as one. And I think as soon as we actually start All of us like every one of us as much as we can not just the four of us but every one of us every one of the listeners as soon as we all start getting on that frequency where we actually go beyond the operating system we start to could awaken something so much more stronger so much more beautiful than anything what any system could make go beyond all the anxiety go beyond all the stresses we create this whole new identity that is the new human
2: Yeah, or we create the the we create a new operating system that creates a better human.
1: Here's here's something though, you Before when you're talking about the choice as well, because it sparked in my mind there, right? And this is this this is actually going to be a bit far fetched, a bit different. This question, right? But if (laughs) I like thinking of different questions, but um, it just sparked my mind there when you were talking about choice. But I was actually thinking in my mind there. So like with all these with the culture operating systems and everyone like. Sort of when you look at all these different culture operating systems all around the world and all through different times, right? And through like through different times of in history, right? So when we look back in um, it history in history and we perceive we look back at a lot of ancient cultures, not all ancient cultures, but a lot of like ancient civilizations, sorry, we perceive them as slaves. And I was actually wondering in my mind, will a future civilization look back at us and perceive us as slaves
2: or oh, oh. perceive us as masters because uh. It could it could get a lot worse, right? I mean, we might in five hundred years there might be people sitting around saying, uh, "Do you realize that uh, five hundred years ago people only had to work eight hours a day or ten hours a day? You know, and they had they had three minutes to just go to these big stores and choose whatever food they wanted. You know, like it, and they could get on planes and fly to different parts of the world. You know, and here we are chained to our energy extraction machine fed <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, who knows who knows I guess you just have to enjoy enjoy it for what it is now
0: yeah I think yeah. you hit the nail on the head there guys I think that's absolutely phenomenal and I think that really is a good place to
1: it is yeah. probably a good place to wrap it up because that leaves our sort of going on a negative point and then Nick <laughs> just brings it back around with a home run yeah. <laughs> so, it's so beautiful
0: when you embrace that man it's really is because right now guys like you're sitting on the head like like in the future it could be terrible we actually could be right we could be stuck on this instructing machine but this is what we need to embrace now it's just this love this beauty and let's just keep on bringing it it home
3: (laughs) i thought i'll say one more thing um i loved what you said about the four of us doing this thing that's greater than any one of us by ourselves and and i don't know if you guys have ever played in bands or had any sort of group project but that is i encourage people to get out and work with others in a way that allows you to you know exchange energy and ideas in, on a regular basis because this has just energized me so much and reminds me of of playing in bands when i used to and i'm like shit why don't i play in bands anymore and you know, like, really, to do this on a regular basis is just a powerful exercise in what's possible when you bring together a bunch of different energy and perspectives. And thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely.
1: been fun. Yeah, it's been amazing. And this 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 will not be the last because there's going to be more of these podcasts, definitely, because this was epic, completely amazing. Awesome. <laughs>
3: Cool. You guys are the best. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity and i um, really looking forward to doing it again. Yeah,
1: we're well def- definitely, definitely doing it again. Have a great, honestly, yeah. both of you just have a great day, amazing day. Kick ass. Kick All,
3: right. All right.
1: Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Please head over to digitalcommunion.com and check out Nick and Thomas' podcast called Digital Commune. And if you guys want to kick ass this year and have an awesome body and health, Please check out Thomas's Metamorphosis program called the 30 Minute Advantage. And all them links are also in the show notes. And don't forget to check out and support the podcast via our new Patreon page. And if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon supports the podcast directly. And you also get to receive some really cool rewards in the process. Currently we have five tiers of rewards set up for you guys. We have reward tiers called Hidden Citizens, Pursuit of Knowledge, Seeker, Awakened Mind enlightened ones and the paradigm shift and each tier has lots of fun different rewards you might get a cool binaural beat or guided meditation every month and why not be a part of our brand new ascend conscious hub where you get access to other awakened minds including me and chris and guests from the podcast as well and we'll also be doing live videos and group discussions and bonus content in that group as well and every thursday after each episode we'll be having a group discussion about that week's podcast and why not even be a part of something epic, the Ascend Community Podcast, where you get to come onto the podcast and have your say and be heard by millions. And all this is extremely simple. All you need to do is go to our Send Podcast website and click on the Patreon page and click on the Patreon link. Patreon gives you, the people, the power to come together and decide, is this a conscious idea? So anyway, we will catch you next week in the next episode. Peace.